Shalom, shalom, and welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original languages as a guide. Today we are in Leviticus chapter 15 and we are reading from the New King James Version Bible. Father God, please help us to understand your truth. And Yahweh spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean. Okay, so this is thinking, um, this technically means things like, um, well, semen or snot or anything that kind of runs from your body. And you're going to see that it applies to many different situations as we go through these sections. But let's continue on reading. And I just, some people are like, well, what's a discharge? So something that comes out of your body. Verse 3, and this shall be his uncleanness in in regard to his discharge, whether his body runs with his discharge, so that's like a runny nose, or his body is stopped up by his discharge, it is his uncleanness. So I think both of those things kind of indicate kind of like the cold sinus type stuff. There could be other things. You could have scabs and, and wounds and you know oozing wounds and stuff like that but let's keep reading verse four every bed is unclean on which he who has the discharge lies and everything on which he sits shall be unclean and whoever touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening now i do want to point out here when it says man hebrew has um words you know they say man or woman and so when they encompass both sexes in one word they typically go to the masculine form so just remember that so if they talk about the benin the children of israel it's always the ben is the word son in hebrew so they use that instead of um, bath which is the word daughter so they use the the masculine form to kind of cover everyone so it doesn't mean only if a man has a cold or the sickness with like snot coming out it means any person any human it's like the word for like human okay Verse 6, he who sits on anything on which he who has the discharge sat shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be an unclean until evening. Again, here's the evening, the beginning of a new day. It's where, you know, the day ends and starts at evening when the sun sets. And we're changing um, state from unclean to clean via water. You have to wash. That's the baptism. Verse 7, and he who touches the body of him who has the discharge shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. If he who has the discharge spits on him who is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Which I guess would make sense, right? If, you, <laughs> if you're if you talking to somebody and spit comes out of your mouth, they could get potentially sick. So you don't want to spread sickness and disease. Verse 9, any saddle on which he who has the discharge rides shall be unclean. Whoever touches anything that was under him shall be unclean until evening. Who who carries any of those things shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Which really makes sense, right? If somebody's sick and has a discharge, something you could get potentially sick from it. So you're supposed to wash and kind of stay away. You would stay out of the temple. You would stay out of those places. And um, then if you have it, then you would have to stay away as well. Okay, so verse 11. And whomever the one who has the discharge touches and has not rinsed his hands in water, he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. The vessel of earth that he who has the discharge touches shall be broken, and every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. Guys, does this not make more sense than wearing masks everywhere? (laughs) Does this not make more sense? Like, you're unclean. Like, stay away from these things. You're going to make everything polluted and unclean. Stay away. Be quarantined. 
And when he who has a discharge is cleansed of his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes and bathe his water in running water. Then he shall be clean. Right? So once you are cleansed of it, you are still, think about even what the medical world says, you're contagious for seven to ten days. Well, right here is saying you're unclean for seven days. You have to wait for seven days because that way it's not spreading. And we even know this to be true, like I was just pointing out, from science. On the eighth day, he shall take for himself two... Tr- Oops, sorry. The wind I'm sitting outside. The wind just blew my page. I apologize. Let me get back here. On the eighth day, he shall take for himself two turtle doves or two young pigeons and come before Yahweh to the door of the tabernacle meeting and give them to the priest. Then the priest shall offer them, the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. So the priest shall make atonement or covering for him before Yahweh before because of his discharge. If any man... Okay, so now I just want to stop here. This is where if you're sick, you need to stay away from people. That's what it's like basically saying you're unclean. So you couldn't go to the temple. So if you're having like a Sabbath fellowship or you're having like a, a, a party, don't be selfish if you're sick. You stay away and let God speak to you and teach you what this sickness is about. It's it's wrong to go and spread the uncleanness to others. You don't want to make others unclean. And often, this is will, will be the case with you if you are, especially as you're coming to the Bible, you'll start getting sick from other people whom Yahweh is trying to tell you, who God is trying to show you to maybe you have to stay away from as friends. It's not that you don't share with the world. We're supposed to share with people, but it's a different there's a huge difference than becoming like the world and befriending them than just sharing with them and loving them. Because Yeshua was not a friend of sinners. I mean, I don't, these people make up this stuff. He loves people, calls to them and calls them out of Egypt. But it says in John three twenty one that he doesn't commit himself to them because he knew it was in their hearts. So these people that believed in him and were following him. So he didn't even commit himself to those people because he knew it was in their heart, even though they they did believe in him. And so you have to have that discernment from the Holy Spirit because there are certain people who are going to defile you, make you corrupt. And if you don't understand their heart through the Holy Spirit's guidance, you are going to get sick from their sickness. Bad company corrupts good character. So I hope that kind of makes sense. It's not that every time you get sick from somebody, it's not every single, because sometimes you're going to, it could be a complete stranger. I'm not so, I'm not saying that, but often um, sickness like that, like a cold or something, Yahweh's trying to show us somehow there's an uncleanness within our hearts. And sometimes that comes from worldly people spreading it to us, but it's ultimately our own heart's decision to choose right or wrong. We have our, we're accountable for our own choices and we don't want to spread that sickness that's in us then to others. So we want to make sure we heal and get cleansed so we don't accidentally make somebody else sick by our false premonitions or, or thoughts or processes or what we are justifying. Does that, I hope that makes sense. Okay. Now, verse 16, if any man has an emission of semen, this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the chapter, then he shall wash all his body in water and be unclean until evening. So when you have relations or whatever, um, then you're unclean until evening. So you couldn't go to the temple that day. And any garment and any leather on which there is semen, it shall be washed with water and be unclean until evening. So again, clean up after everything. Um, it's not a sin in this case to have relations with your wife, but you needed still, you were still dirty. You needed to wait until you were clean again. Also, when a woman lies with a man and there is an emission of semen, they shall bathe in water and be unclean until evening. So you wash and then everything you're on, remember all the, you have, would have to wash as well. 
If a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood, she shall be set apart seven days. Um, so she shall be basically defiled for seven days. She's um, in her impurity for seven days. And whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. So this is where Judaism started adding in tons of extra laws and women had to walk on the ex other sides of streets. Now God does not, does not say that. Notice God's laws doesn't tell a woman to walk on another side of the street. But she should be so respectful of God's ways and respectful of the people around her that she doesn't want to make them so they can't enter the temple and she doesn't want to defile them and make them unclean. So she needs to refrain herself and and set herself aside for those seven days because it's the ritual uncleanness and I think it's part of the curse that came to us from Eve. Now, verse 20, everything that she lies on during her impurity shall be unclean. Also, everything that she sits on shall be unclean. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Whoever touches anything that she sat on shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Now, this didn't change just because there's different feminine hygiene products. We're still unclean during that time. If anything is on her bed or on anything on which she sits, when he touches it, he shall be unclean until evening. And if any man lies with her at all so that her impurity is on him, he shall be unclean seven days. And every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. And the Bible does talk about that, him being cut off from his people. And cut off sometimes can mean dead, sometimes it can also mean just separated. So in this case, if he lied with a woman, and it's a very, it's a big, God doesn't like it. I, I, I got to remember which prophets it's in right now, but it talks about it. Um, I think it's Ezekiel, that they uncover the woman during her impurity. And it's a bad thing. Yahweh doesn't want that. He wants us to learn to be holy and stay um, set apart from this woman during her time. And, 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 let God do his thing <laughs> and we can refrain ourselves for seven days, surely. Right. And so if you don't refrain, then you're unclean for seven days and you couldn't go to the temple for seven days. And the woman definitely can't during that whole time. Right. So if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than that of the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity of the seven days, right. All the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. So this is if you have, for example, a, a cyst or something, and it continues to bleed more than the seven days. Every bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her impurity, and whatever she sits on shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her impurity. Whoever touches those things shall be unclean. He shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. But if she is cleansed of her discharge, then she shall count for herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. Now this is only if it goes beyond, because during your customary impurity, you're only unclean those seven days. But if it goes beyond it, that means there's something else more wrong. And so then God allows this other extra seven days of healing after something that's not the customary impurity. So it could be because it's probably signifying something's wrong within her and she needs to heal spiritually and physically. Also, oh, I'm sorry, verse 29. And on the eighth day, she shall take for herself two turtle doves and two young pigeons and bring them to the priest to the door of the tabernacle meeting. Again, eight, the number of eternity, the number of new beginnings. It starts the new week. See, they don't say the day one of the new week. They say day eight. I love that because you have seven days to completion and then you begin eternity. You begin the newness. So this is, this is her newness, her new born again time, her purification time. She's purified, made new. It's just a beautiful picture every month to remember our dirtiness, our yucky, yucky, the grossest thing you can imagine. Then you're cleansed from it and you get to be made new and forgiven. Um, and not that it was sin to have this customary impurity as part of our the 
the woman's natural body processes, but it does make us unclean. And if you think about it spiritually, think about many women are often, (laughs) a lot of their dark hearts come out during that time, whether they're cranky, short patient, um, short of patience, um, temperamental, just nasty people sometimes, which is not godly at all. We should never give in to that. And so it gets exposed during that time. And I think Yahweh uses that to humble women. I know um, at times when I was, this is a little personal, but at times when I was stronger, you know, and doing really well in my faith, um, there was almost like nothing, you know, not even like, you know, maybe a day of blood, maybe two days of blood. Um, but in times where you're struggling with things and maybe being selfish or having um, hard hearts to your husband or being not understanding and and just um, being kind of catty, I would say. Women can be kind of catty. And, and I'm not a catty person. Lord has shown me that many times. So I guess that's not the right word. I'm just trying to say sometimes we get too um, too emotional and too sensitive, oversensitive to things. And so then we cause problems and we make a big stink about things, so to speak. And um, we're just oversensitive and over emotional during these times. And I think God uses that to expose that in us so we can repent of it. Because once we, it's exposed in us, we are supposed to own it, grab it, take hold of it, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, overcome it. So I hope that made sense. Um, Okay, verse 30. Then the priest shall offer the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering and the priest shall make atonement, or remember that word atonement means covering, kippurim, for her before Yahweh for the discharge of her uncleanness. Thus you shall separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness when they defile my tabernacle that is among them. This is the law for one who has a discharge and for him who emits semen and is unclean thereby, and for her who and for her who is indisposed because of her customary impurity, and for one who has a discharge, either man or woman, and for him who lies with her who is unclean. Now I um I know that was a little graphic a little bit of it. But all of these things are meant to teach us. And I do think also the seven days of the impurity of the woman is also really symbolic of the bride of Israel, of the bride of the bride Israel, because we have six days where we have just been horrible, six periods of 1000 years. And we've just been horrible to God the whole time. And then, and and often if you think about it um, with your, with that, time and cycle on the first day it's kind of light and on the last day it's kind of light always so um when Yeshua returns during that seventh day it talks about us being renewed and being taught and then eternity starts so eternity doesn't start that seventh day I think that seventh day is a picture for us with Yeshua reigning as learning how to really be submissive to him that story of submission I think that's the day of submission where we really really get to come into full submission to our King and Lord and, and really be taught by Him. And and then we start the eternity that day we're cleansed from all that stuff. So I think there's always bigger pictures of this. Um, and also for a man and woman, you know, I don't know why the Lord would show it as unclean because it's such a beautiful union, the wife and husband, other than in our own human flesh, we often defile even that which is pure because we tend to how do I say this? We, you know, I think Yahweh wanted us to be with him and, you know, through, and yes, we're supposed to multiply and increase and, and do all that stuff. I'm not saying that, but I think ultimately in the garden, I think 
we were also to have it in such purity and, and we're ultimately to be his bride and we should desire him more than our spouse, if that makes sense. We should want that intimacy with him more than even our spouse. And I, yeah, I'm trying to say something that I'm not sure I'm getting out correctly, but, but my point is let's not defile Yahweh's tabernacle too. And that's what it says, this uncleanness, the stuff we do, we have to keep it away from his temple because it defiles it. And that was right there in verse 31. So I hope that makes sense. And these are just beautiful laws. And do you see how Judaism has, has really ruined the inter understanding of God's laws? Because God's law has nothing, doesn't say anything about a woman has to sit on another side of a meeting place. She's just not even supposed to come if she has her customary impurity. She's supposed to stay home. You know, you're not supposed to, you don't have to walk on the other side of the street fearing for her. She should just be obedient and she should just refrain from going places where it's going to spread the uncleanness and make it where somebody who would touch her couldn't go to the temple. So it's this conscious effort of thinking of others, putting them loving them as ourselves and, and putting them before ourselves and their needs and being leaned in our lives for others. So um, we don't need extra laws. We don't need Christianity laws of um, bylaws and we don't need Judaism, the Talmud. We need God's laws. That's what we need by the Holy Spirit. Let's not live it by the letter though. Let's live it in spirit and truth because there's things that aren't specifically spelled out that we can understand by the Holy Spirit, which are right and wrong. Okay, guys, enough. <laughs> Have a blessed day.